Hey, welcome to the Joyful Rebels podcast. We've got Claire and Donna Thomas here, your mother-daughter duo. And today's episode is called Three Things Yoga Is Not. Hmm. Okay. So you might have heard us talk about yoga in episodes before. We're both yoga teachers and a lot of the things that we've learned through our training and teaching show up in real life in other ways. So that's going to be our topic of discussion today. But first, we're going to go back to what we talked about last week. So last week's episode was successful habit tracking. And we both shared tips about how tracking our habits is showing up in our life. Um, ways that we've made it easier, and what specifically we're using it for in this season, in this period of time. So, Mom, I want to start with you. Uh, what's an update? How's it going with the habit tracking? Because I know you had talked about tracking protein and and paying attention to sleep mm-hmm. and uh, with future Donna in mind. Yes. <laughs> How's so- that going? Uh, great. A mixed bag. I'm going to be really honest about it. It's a mixed bag. So that helps me to see where my, uh, perfectionistic tendencies show up and, and they are, they are with me right now, but you know, it's interesting because the, I feel like the voice and the urges are just not as loud. The messages of doing it, you know, really well, or don't do it at all, or Mm. just trying to be consistent every day without, you know, bobbles in there. Um, you know, I, it kind of crosses through my mind's eye, like I'm aware of it. And I kind of like, oh, I'm not like being perfect with it. But then I remind myself. So it's not like I've eliminated that thought process or distorted thinking, um, but it doesn't have the grip on me that it used to. But the, the protein part's going really well. And I find if I can get some in the morning, like earlier in the day, I'm better set up for the evening. So I'm finding ways and how it works in real time for me, in real time for what I'm doing. And that means that if there's a suggestion for how much I I I feel um, equipped to take it and then make it mine. Like mm-hmm. I, if I can get more at lunch and I'm going to do lunch, uh, you know, so there's a way to customize things, which I don't ever want to lose sight of that because we're all uniquely made and I want to honor that. So that part has been uh, a mixed bag, but it is, I feel I'm encouraged. So I'm still moving in the right direction. And honestly, probably doing better than I was before tracking anything. I mean, mm-hmm. really, I, I do. I don't have all the data in on that, but I feel like, I am more consistent. So that feels good. And the sleep thing, like it's just now it's habit. Like we're finished with this, going up to bed and getting getting in there earlier as is that one's getting easier because that one's getting more consistent. And it's getting more consistent, not when I know I'm getting up at 445 the next morning. It's the if there's a couple of days of the week where I don't get up that early, it's not like I'm gonna stay up later because I know this day <laughs> I'm gonna like I'm not just cafeteria style. I'm just making it what I do. And that is different for me. And that creates consistency, which I, I like to think is going to translate into a couple of different, you know, forums for me. Uh, but uh, I'll just keep doing it and see how it shows up. But I, again, again, I'm expectant. I'm hopeful. Uh, it hasn't been perfect, but it still feels worthwhile. So it, the game of it, the gamification of, you know, being able to track and write things down, I like. I like. I do better with that. So this feels good. How about you? Yeah, you know, I I want to point out. I think it's really interesting how you said that um, it's not. Oh, I'm going to bed early this night because I'm waking up early, and then the next night it doesn't matter. Instead, you're just having it be consistent across the board. This is bedtime, and that's going to make it easier, right? And, mm-hmm. and and you're able to then be more consistent. Plus, what I love about it is you don't have to think about it. Even if it yeah. takes a second, you don't have to go. What am I doing tomorrow? And then like drop into that yeah. future thinking. Oh no, this is just already set. Here's what I'm going to do. So you're just making it easier. 
for your brain for yourself. So I'm all about that. One last thing on that. And then if I were to go to bed later, because I knew I was waking up later the next day, I didn't have to be somewhere that early, then it hasn't turned that into a reward that sleeping Mm -hmm. in isn't a reward. It has removed that. It's just what I do. It's not like that that thing is still out there as a value of I really would prefer to go stay up later because then I can sleep in later. It's just not an issue. I'm not holding it as a reward. So the grip of having that be something special to do is becoming less. It's just becoming who I am. And okay. that feels good. Like I can reward myself in tons of other ways. It doesn't have to be something that's counterproductive to the person I want to be. Like that feels like that's why I, maybe that's why I feel encouraged. <laughs> I'm at least moving in the same direction. All the parts. I love it, that. That's awesome. And I, you talked about that a bit last week too, about um, being more intentional with what you're eating. It takes that reward out of certain foods. Cause you're just, you're, you're, you're thinking about what, what do I feel good eating? I think, and that's mm-hmm. another thing you said too. Uh, you said the word you're, you're customizing things and you're evaluating mm-hmm. it in real time. And I really like that too, because we're not saying what we're doing, you need to be doing right. You're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to take, and even like you said, there's recommendations for different areas of your life and what you should, you're going to try it out. Right. That's the joyful rebel way. Try it. Did it work for you? Mm, Maybe, maybe not. You just got some data. Now you go back and you adapt. And when you're doing these tracking, even week to week, oh, I really was inconsistent with X. It's not sticking. Maybe reevaluate what it was. And, you know, a week might not be enough time to start getting consistency, but maybe you're like, wow, this was too lofty. This needs to be easier for me. And so when I was talking about my goals last week, and one of mine is reading, which still going strong with the reading. I hope you enjoyed my little mini analysis of my pages read per month um, because I enjoyed it. But one thing that I do or one tip I wanted to bring up this week was removing barriers. Like how can we make it even easier? And so for me, it's, I keep a book in my car. Now, granted, I read most of my books on my phone anyways. So technically I could pull out my phone, but if I pull out my phone, I might be tempted. Like, let's just say I have a few minutes early. I'm there early before I'm picking up the kids. If I take out my phone with the intention to read, I might take out my phone and I have a notification there and, Ooh, that's going to pull my mind somewhere else. Or "Mm, I'm just going to look at Facebook for a second. And then boom, gone, mindless scrolling, not productive, not tracking one of my habits. So instead, I've got my book here. It's the book. It stays in the car, which a few times has kind of been because I'm like, I'm I'm into it and I want to bring it inside. Nope, nope. This is the car book. Uh, but I've removed that barrier of my, my smartphone being a potential distraction. And now I just go in. I've got a couple extra minutes. I just pick up the book. I've got my highlighter in there from where I left off. And so I wonder if you're listening and I hope you're able to grab that habit tracker. Uh, if you go on our Instagram and uh, especially Facebook will probably be easier or the episode notes from last week. You can go and uh, download that and print it out. Or you can just look at how we have it set up and write it down yourself. But I hope you're joining us uh, with that. But maybe you can go back and reflect. Were there any ones that maybe weren't super sticky or I didn't stick with? And maybe there was a barrier there that I can remove. Like do a little bit of thinking about it. How can I make this even easier? Because I truly believe there's no too easy when it comes to a habit. Like, in fact, mom, you said gamifying it. How easy can you make that happen? That is where our mindset should be. Not, oh, I'm being lazy because it's only a two-minute increment. No, 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 no. How easy can you make it? Because then you are setting yourself up for success. So go back and look at the habits that you've been tracking for the past week. And 
Maybe there's time for a little reevaluation. Oh, I said I was going to do this for 10 minutes. Let's cut that down to five. Let's mm-hmm. get some consistency under our belt. And then maybe we'll go back up to 10 minutes. So always evolving, always adapting, being flexible with it. Mom, again, you mentioned the perfectionism. Don't worry about hitting every box every day. And uh, we're going to continue to revisit this the next few Mm -hmm. weeks just because that's what we need. We need this gentle accountability. At least I know I do. I do um, too. To keep moving forward with it. And then we'll revisit all these little success stories because, hey, these are wins. Mm -hmm. Wins journal. Wins journal. Write it down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So that was habit tracking. Today we said we're going to talk about three things yoga is not. And before we get into our three tips that we're going to talk about, I thought it would be helpful to maybe uh, discuss our backgrounds in yoga. Because again, we've mentioned yoga throughout several of the podcasts. Uh, But just to give a background story about how we got into yoga and something about how we, you know, went through our training or decided to do training at all and what that means to us. So mom, I'll ask you, uh, give us your background on yoga. I'm interested. I don't think I even know the whole story. Huh, yeah, well, <laughs> with any story, there's probably a bunch of facets. But in thinking about it, there's a couple of high points to it. And that I really didn't do it because I was in love with yoga. I think that's really the, the the honest basis of it. I did it for work. And, you know, being in the fitness industry for 30 years, something like that. Um, I just been known as the the hit girl, like, you know, high intensity interval training person, and really like to move my body in that way, and started to realize that that yoga A was gaining ground. I didn't know much about it. Part of my personality is I like to just learn. If there's something there, I want to learn the 360 view of it. What does it look like? Because I don't, if I don't understand it, I can't begin to like it because I just don't know anything about it. So this was kind of just proximity. It was in my world. And when I went to take a yoga teacher training, it was offered where um, it was an expanded program where I did it for 10 months and I was there one day a week like an, a, an immersion for that day. So I had it over a longer period of time. And one of the interesting things about that is not only did I not like it, but that's when I first uh, was diagnosed with osteoarthritis was during my yoga teacher training, because I'm doing these poses. I didn't know them very well, but I'm physically in my body and I like to move like that. And then all of a sudden I'm having pain. So I was getting the poses, getting all the fun things and the inversions or what I thought yoga would, should, was supposed to look like. And then I started regressing. So then it was really interesting that in hindsight, uh, all the while I'm getting this foundation for other ways to not only be flexible in my body, but in my mind. And whether you're talking about scriptures or sutras or any way, you know, like a, a philosophical baseline, a way to be in the world, I was getting more tools. I was getting more tools and I didn't realize that I needed them so desperately. So I eventually really um, grew to love it and, and found that it helped me in some really dark places. I have been to yoga classes where I've walked in on crutches uh, and stayed there and did what I could. I've been there where I walked in with a sling on my arm and done, done what I could and understood that when, you know, here's some, I hear, this is my, my lens, that there's some really trite phrases like yoga meets you where you are. And it's not about, you know, uh, touching your toes. It's what you learn on the way down. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of a Pinterest thing. It's true though. And as I um, was physically compromised and learning to accept, like accepting where I'm at in life, not so much about where I think I should be or what I are attached to an outcome, just being in the present moment. And it's really been in hindsight, I've learned what a gift it has been and, you know, have been able to take another 200 hour that just supported and, and fleshed it out a little bit more 
And, and honestly, that's been the basis of even some Joyful Rebel stuff. Not some, probably most, if not all. Why you revisit things in seasons? Because you need things in certain seasons and then another season you need something different. And that's what yoga did for me. And I, I had tools at the ready for when my season changed and I didn't know I needed them. But I had a way to explore certain situations, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, all of that. Uh, and I felt equipped to at least still live my life and find ways to not only survive, but thrive in conditions that were not always ideal, which I think is a definition of life. Wow. I love that you said that you got these tools that you <laughs> didn't even maybe know at the time that you would need and then they show up. Oh my gosh. This is helping me in real life. And it's something I learned in yoga. And that's something that we're going to circle back to in a little bit that um, this is why yoga, I think, is so important to both of us, because there are things that are happening in a yoga class that are translating outside of the yoga class. And so if you're listening and you have been curious about yoga or you have maybe you've got ideas in your head about yoga, maybe you've practiced before and you're not in your practice at the moment, um, just to realize that it's so much more than those, you know, 45 minutes or an hour that you're on your mat. Um, for me, for my story, um, I enjoyed doing yoga. I, I started late. I think I was in grad school when I first started taking some classes at the local, like uh, little gym on campus there. And I just remember for me, um, the idea of training to be a teacher, I was like, there's no way. I was like, I'm not good enough. I don't look like a yoga teacher. I'm not flexible enough. I don't know the name of every pose. Um, I'm not spiritual enough. There are just so many things that were popping up in my head of why that could never be a path for me. And then, mom, I watched you go through a teacher training. Um, my sister, Shar, went through a teacher training. And I remember honestly being jealous at the time of like, I like yoga, but I can't do that. I can't teach people. Like, again, I'm not fitting some mold. Um, and I remember uh, I finally decided, this is back in like 2017, I'm like, I'm going to go for it. I've been taking classes consistently. I research, like when I want to do something, I research every program. Mom, you know this about me. I'm like, the dates, the cost, the everything. Like I'm, I got spreadsheets and on paper in case, you know, my computer explodes and I can never <laughs> access Google Docs again. Um, so I have all this information. I finally decide on a program. And then we get this news that we're going to have to move kind of suddenly out of state due to my husband's job. And so I'm like, oh, okay, that went out the window. I was, I was upset about it. You know, it was already a big deal having to move, you know, suddenly uh, and leave my support system of all our family, but then having to go to a new town. And, you know, right away I found a studio and they were doing things a little bit differently than we had been doing back in Illinois. Um, but I'm like, you know what? It took me a couple months. And I'm like, I'm going to do their training. I was like, I feel like I was ready to before. And here's this opportunity. I'm going to do it. So it was one of those where I still had those voices telling me you're not X, Y, and Z. But I, you know, summoned that courage to be like, I'm going to do it anyways. And I think that that happens all the time. Maybe you're listening and you're like, there's mm -hmm. something that I want to do. And you have all those voices telling you not to. There's maybe not something you can do that immediately is going to silence all those voices. You might just have to go do it anyways. And mm -hmm. then, hey, the courage might follow after like, whoa, I did that. So I sign up. And I guess the last kind of interesting thing is I, you know, I'm about to start my first week of this. It was six months with like a weekend immersion in each month. And I find out that I'm pregnant. <laughs> 
and with uh, number three. And when I had been researching programs in Illinois, a lot had said you cannot do it when you're pregnant because they were worried. I don't know. They didn't feel trained enough to deal with people who are pregnant. I, I don't really know their reasonings why. But I assumed that for this studio. So I was so like crestfallen. Like I even went to the mm. first weekend and I'm like, I'm just going to do go through it anyways because I'm very newly pregnant. And so no one will know. And I remember like just all these conversations in my head about how horrible it's going to be. And then I end up talking to the studio owners after the last day. And I'm like, I'm pregnant and almost, almost, you know, like a sad win. Congratulations. That's awesome. And I'm like waiting for the like, but you can't do it. But it didn't come. They're like, this is mm. great. And someone went through it pregnant last time. And, and and so, oh, my gosh. So, again, if you're listening, how many times have you in your head played out how it's going to be a million ways in the negative? <laughs> and yeah. then, oh, all that extra stress that I put on myself when really it was fine. So I went through my teacher training pregnant. I taught my first class when I was six and a half, almost seven months pregnant. So those are some funny pictures. And and so it it was, again, the lessons for me that I learned that I take off my mat that I'll talk about in a bit that were so important to me. But I think my takeaway from my story is that you can, you don't have to feel ready. Hmm? You can still have those voices telling you that you're not X, Y, and Z enough. But also you have that voice inside of you. And if you're, if you know yourself, if you've had those quiet moments and you know that it's something that you want, then you, then you go for it Mm -hmm. no matter what's telling you not to do it. So I know that I'm like, okay, I'm teaching and I love it. And I teach online now. And again, just so many positives have come out of it. And so for you listening now, we want to share three things that yoga is not because we've both been teaching now for several years. And again, if you're not into yoga, or if you've been in and out, you might just have these ideas in your head, especially if your only exposure to yoga is what you see on Instagram. Mm. Um, and so we're going to talk about three things yoga is not, and then add in our view of what it is, what's more realistic, what's actually a benefit that we're getting out of it. And so Mom, I'll throw it back over to you if we want to start us off about three things that yoga is not. Yeah. You know, one last thing about you you doing your yoga teacher training pregnant. And I just think, you know, it's not that you weren't good at yoga or, you know, being in that space. You were a beginner. And like, I think that's a really important distinction. And then to do it with just some, you know, extra physical um, considerations. Um, and I'm from all accounts, you handle that like a boss <laughs> and where it was an inspiration to everybody that could be a part of that too, to that, you know, your life keeps moving regardless of what station you're in, regardless mm-hmm. of what, what journey you're on, you know, what chapter, whatever, like you just kind of keep doing your thing. And I love that. I think that's super cool. And also don't be attached to like what you think's going to happen until what's <laughs> actually going to happen. So, I mean, there's so many things that, you know, we both hear as yoga teachers, because we get to be in that, this really a unique place to hear it all. And so it's not ever coming from a judgy place. Like we hear it and it's like, oh, that's so crazy. Mm. Not at all, but it's common. So we start, you know, these are a couple of common things. And one of them, the first one is that in order to do yoga, you need to be able to completely clear your mind. And I've heard it. I've heard it in different it, different classes. You're not hating on anybody ever, but, you know, I have traveled the country to, to take classes. I've been, a, again, a really unique, interesting period in my life. So I heard it all over the place. It's not like it's just regionally over here. This is, you know, Chicago, they talk about it, but clearing your mind is impossible. It's impossible. I even mentioned it 
a little bit about the habit tracking. Like I still have the voice that tells me to be more perfect, but it's just not as loud and it doesn't bully and push me around. I'm, it's still there. It's just quieter. And I wonder if that's the same thing about, it's not about clearing your mind, but it is about being able to focus a bit more. And when you focus, you can notice things, but then when you notice things, you don't necessarily have to assign a value to it. So you're just kind of in wonder, like allowing the thoughts to come through without being bullied by them. And that's like freedom right there. That's one definition of freedom of, you know, I can't quiet my mind down. Well, that's why they call yoga a practice. Nobody's nailing it 100% all of the time. And that is not the expectation. The expectation is every time you come to your mat, and that's the language that I um, it, that is used in this community, you come to your mat, you're going to take a swing at it. You're going to take a swing at it. And some days you'll be able to be like, I am so Zen right now. I think I'm almost levitating. And other times you're like, I can't stop thinking about that thing that just happened before I walked uh, in here and sat down on my mat. But if we get a chance at some point during the practice, whether it's a practice that's grounded in some quiet poses where you're really getting deep tissue or you're up and it's more powerful and you've got the standing asana and a bunch of yogi push-ups, that kind of thing. If at some point you are focused in your breathing and you're in the moment, then that other stuff will naturally fall away. It's not under our control to say, stop thinking about things. So we're going to leverage how our body works so that to me feels like there's an ease, a more of an ease to it than a control, a white knuckling, a, a willfulness. There's just an intention. We're going to give it a shot. And then we're going to give ourselves some a ton of grace when it's not where we think it should be. So really what I think yoga is, it's not about clearing your mind, but it's about deconstructing some of the ways that we believe we should be and how we should be managing our brains. Because one other thing on that is that we are really good at allowing the chatter to run and allowing, I mean, that's even part of the sutras. Some of the, the, the guidelines for, for yoga uh, is being able to calm the, the, the chitta vritti naroda. Like, I love that. Uh, calming, calming the chatter in our minds, which causes so much suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, it's not going to eliminate it, but we're just going to try and live with it, live with it. And it can be done. So that's why people walk out and they feel better. And that's a feedback loop where that's why they come back again, because they felt better when they left. So you don't have to know how to clear everything and just have a blank slate, because that's never going to happen. No one can do that. That's not how our brains are hardwired. So that's the first one. If that was a concern for you, like you just feel like too agitated, yoga will help. You'll get a chance. Give yourself some grace. Show up a few times. So not about clearing your mind. And in conjunction with that, the second point that I have is um, it doesn't have to look a certain way. And Claire, when you had mentioned about, you know, sometimes you know, I get probably too much information from social media sometimes where I think you see things over and over again. And, and sometimes that can mean that it's truth. And it's not. Our bodies are absolutely uniquely and divinely made. They are. And in that being said, when you walk into yoga, some of it is the what. Simon Sinek is such a great speaker and he does such a great job knowing his golden circles concept where we want to know things on a what basis, how, and why. And what is like the primary, that's the jump off point. I would call that operational. And yoga, that might be like, what does the shape look like? Mm -hmm. And even when you see that, what does it look like in your body is a whole nother thing. When we study in yoga teacher training about anatomy, that when we talk about our joints in our body, they don't come with just a number, like that your shoulder can do this. There's a range. 
there's a joint range. So it's normal if you can rotate here, 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 here. All of that's normal just based on your your infrastructure, your scaffolding. And that's something to honor and not muscle through. Like it really is like your pose is going to look like this. It's not going to look like maybe what it looks like on Instagram. So you just let that go. But you, you do have to have an idea of what a shape can look like. And I love that. So then you seek out some things that um, like I love on you know YouTube, we've got some great yoga practices. Claire has been the teacher in these that, that give you some great foundational stuff. So you got an idea of what you're looking at. You know, you're going to learn a little bit about it and then you can experiment mm-hmm. just like we do at Joyful Rebels. <laughs> you experiment, you try things, you see how it feels in your body. You're tuned into how it feels. So getting into a shape just for the aesthetics of what it looks like, no bueno. You're going to get close to what the shape is and then see how it feels in your body. And with time and some practice, that will change a little bit. You will get more flexible, not only in your body, but in your brain and your, and your mind as well. So I don't know if any, either of those are landing for you, Claire, but um, those have been foundational for me to give myself grace so that I can keep showing up. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I usually start my classes with a meditation and um, so often, almost every class I'm saying, uh, it's okay if you've got thoughts, like we need to know that that's okay. And I think it's because it is so common for people to think, like, yeah, I like what you just said, something that just happened. Cause I know personally that'll happen to me. Like something happened on the way to class and I can't stop thinking about it. And that's okay. What do we do? We practice noticing, whoa, my mind is not in this room, not in this moment. And then you come back to something to focus on, whether it's the movement that you're doing, your breath at that moment, some type of anchor. And so I love how you said it's a practice because it's so true. And every time you show up is going to be different. It's going to be different than it was a week ago, five years ago, if you practiced earlier that day. And so to come into it with that fresh mindset and I like to mention too, like being curious about it. Cause you said not being judgy um, with your thoughts, because that's also really easy. I fall into that all the time. Why? I can't stop thinking about this thing. Um, or why am I thinking about this now? Um, and to kind of go back into more of that scientific mindset of, hmm, okay, interesting. Like just being curious about it. Like, and and not that you have to sit there and delve into it and start psychoanalyzing yourself in that moment, but like, oh, that's showing up again. Okay. I'm not going to judge it, be mad or happy about it. I noticed it. And now I'm going to return my focus, refocus on what I want to be. So that, I mean, that shows up sometimes for me, you know, once or twice a minute, if I'm lucky, I'm the best practice I've ever had in my life, probably more likely (laughs) every few seconds. My mind's over here. My mind's over here. And I'll be honest, when I started doing yoga, I didn't care about at all like what I was thinking about. I let my mind wander because I was more focused on your second point, what it looked like. Oh, I'm doing this completely just for a physical workout. Oh, here are these movements that I'm doing. And if you're using yoga and you're moving, like that's, I'm glad that you're moving. So I'm not, I'm not judging you for that, but I will say there's a whole nother layer to it, right? Like the movement, the asana is just one of eight limbs or parts of the path of yoga. And so if, if you can start to think about like, oh, we can think about our thoughts. We can, we can think about how we're feeling. We can focus on being in this present moment. It's, it's a lot more. And like I said, in my backstory, I have had, 
I've spent way too much time and energy thinking I don't look like I'm doing yoga right. And like you said, mom, some of the, some of the things I see online, I will literally never be able to do even if I practice five hours a day for the rest of my life. It can come down to bone and joint structure. And you can't be mad at your bones and your joints. And so just being able to be okay with that, I think is a big relief. And just exploring like, how does this look in my body? And you're right. There are certain shapes. You're going to want to know how a shape looks. That's just some of that getting knowledge about it. Like, hey, what am I doing? You would do the same thing if you were in a strength training class or at a type of barbell class, anything. You're going to know the basic movements for safety for part of it, right? for building on a skill, like you're getting your foundation. So, so it is important how shapes look, at least how we get into them, but appreciating that it's going to be unique to your body and you're going to be listening to your body. And so our first, what yoga is not, is not a blank slate, clear mind. You're going to learn to live with the chatter. The second thing is not, is a specific look. You have to be this bendy. You have to be this shape, size, whatever. No, we're, we're flexibility is one aspect that's important, but it's, it's in our own body, how we're experiencing it and in our mind. And so the third thing that I'm going to say of what yoga is not is yoga is not for me you go to a yoga class, maybe you're in a studio, maybe you're taking it online and it's maybe it's 20 minutes, 45 an hour. And then the class is over. Yoga is not over the second that the class is over. And maybe again, if you're using it just as a physical practice and you're not, you know, uh, that's what you're focused on, then maybe it does feel like it's over when the class is over, but it doesn't have to be. And what I'll say is that, and again, this rang through with both when we described our teaching and our training is that it's so much more than what happens in that class. Yes, the mobility that we get and the flexibility is important, especially as we're aging and joint health, but it's so much more than that. And so what I specifically want to talk about today that's been really crucial in my life is this difference between reacting and responding. And if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see um, a, a guest appearance by the four-year-old who's deciding that he wants to hang out with mom right now. Um, so another reason to check out our YouTube, mine is just all our great uh, yoga videos. But there's a guy named Viktor Frankl, and he has a very interesting backstory because he was a Holocaust survivor, and then he became a psychiatrist um, after that. And he has a quote attributed to him that's pretty famous, and it's, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom. And so for me, I see three parts there. One, we're identifying that there's a space, that there can be a space. Something happens to us, there's a space there, and then we can respond to it. And the more time we spend reflecting or pausing or being thoughtful in that space, then that response is more powerful. It's a response, and it's not just us reacting. Okay, so first I want to say how this shows up in a yoga class. You might be like, what are you talking about? Um... In a yoga class, you might be in what you consider to be a difficult pose. Uh, now, this might just be for you sitting still, because I know for a lot of us who are go, 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 actually like choosing to sit still and not move or like, this is not productive. I should be stretching or moving. My heart rate's not going up, or I could be doing X, Y, and Z, or here's me. I need to use this time to like make some type of list in my head. Like I need to like you, I, I can really just start to like beep, 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 like spreadsheet in my head now. You have a choice though. 
So maybe that's your difficult pose is sitting still, or maybe it's actually a shape where you're finding yourself uncomfortable. Something like, you know, if, if you have been to a yoga class and you know, like frog pose, I know for me that usually stands out as like, there's a lot of feedback that there's a lot of sensation in that pose. I would say for most people that drop into it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that first part is that something is happening to you. There's a stimulus of you're either having to sit still or you're uncomfortable in a shape. Then there's a space before you get to choose how you respond. Okay. So maybe you take one second, you're like, I don't like this and you move. Okay. Well, then that wasn't really a response. That's more of a reaction. You didn't like sitting there. And Mm -hmm. so you just decided to move. And this, again, this can show up off the mat and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, Or maybe there's a space and you take a moment and you just think like, I don't like this, but I'm going to stay for another breath. And mom, I know in your classes, and I think it was might have been in frog pose, one of the classes you were teaching, and you would say something like, you might want to like fiddle with your rubber band on your wrist right now or adjust your ponytail. Can you just stay still for one more breath? And I felt like you were talking to me. Because you, you want to move and maybe you don't even realize it at the time, but you kind of want to fidget because you're uncomfortable and you don't like having to stay in that space. But the thing is, the longer you stay in that space, the more comfortable you get with being uncomfortable. And again, this is going to translate to your real life. As Viktor Frankl says, there's both growth and freedom when we can extend that pause or that space between something happening Mm. to us and what we do. And so how does this show up for me in real life? So in a yoga class, a win might be you stay an extra breath when you didn't want to. I've seen so many people in Mm. class get up and leave during the ending Shavasana pose because they're just like, nope, no benefit for me. I don't want to sit here. So I'm just going to leave. I would argue that you might be someone who would benefit the most from staying there because Getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is like a superpower. So where are four ways? These are personal examples for me as I've worked on this. The first thing is a car cuts me off. Knee-jerk response or knee-jerk reaction. So having no pause there is like maybe a swear comes out or maybe immediately judging what's wrong with that person. Um, Feeling angry about it, getting caught up with an emotion, kind of being at the whims of the emotion. Okay. What can I do now? Now, if someone cuts me off, I might still feel angry right away. Okay. I'm not saying that I'm in some Zen peaceful mood all the time, but I might take a second. Oh man, where does that person have to be? Hmm. Just by giving it a little, little space, even if it's microseconds, I can, it then allows me to, okay, maybe I don't need to judge this person. It's not affecting me, right? Sometimes we feel like we need to react oh, someone wronged me, so I must give some reaction to show them that I'm mad. But really, you don't. Mm -hmm. The only person who gets affected by that is you, and it makes you not feel good. And maybe you feel good for a second, but overall, you're not going to feel good about that. So so by practicing yoga, it has allowed me to be a little bit calmer in traffic. The second thing, (laughs) I'm not joking. This is what it says. I'm trying to work and a kid is bugging me. (laughs) The usual is be, you know, get out of here, go away. I'm so busy with what I'm doing. My reaction is to just shun them off, which to be completely 100% honest with you, I am doing right now. What I should be doing is pausing, taking a moment and saying, I'm going to be done in 10 minutes, okay? And then we'll play, okay? Is it going to work 100% of the time? No. But 
What's important about that? Honestly, I feel better. That feels like a better reaction. I'm acknowledging that this person wants my attention. And I mean, that's kind of an awesome thing because it's not going to be forever that my kid is hanging on me and wants my attention, but just I'm going to feel better. So again, an overarching theme of being able to respond and not react is you're going to feel better because if you're reacting to everything that happens all the time and this knee jerk, I got to give a reaction. That's not a good way to feel speaking from experience. Okay. Let me just run through these last two. Here we go. Another example, I need to create a graphic. I, I need to put something up on social media. I need to create it. I'm not really feeling inspired. If my usual or old way of doing it, I'm just going to click through. I'm going to find something, whatever. I'm going to pick this one. I'm going to put it. I'm really not into it. It's going to go out. Maybe it's, you know, it looks okay. I don't love it. It's done, but I don't really feel satisfied. Okay. Option two would be, I'm going to take a moment. I'm realizing that I'm kind of stuck. I'm going to go for this pause here. I'm going to maybe even not think about that for a couple seconds, right? And we talked about flow state before when we mm -hmm. talked about happiness and the importance of play. So just being able to give some space is important, and even if it's just a few moments, and then that might spark some creativity. And the last thing, and this has happened recently to me, is that if you're in an argument, and we talked about how to have a hard conversation in that podcast, but if you're in an argument and someone says something maybe hurtful, uh, the knee-jerk reaction might be to just spew back. Uh, like fight back or, you know, you're going to defend yourself, but I've got a question if you're listening, if that's happened to you and you've just knee jerk reaction said what the first thing that came to mind, is that always really what you wanted to say? Cause I know for me, if I'm coming from that place of reacting and probably anger or being hurt, I'm not saying what I actually want to say. I'm coming from yeah. that short-term burst of emotion. And so now what I have been able to do, and not every single time, because again, I'm not perfect and I'm not trying to be, but step away is one option and revisit the comment or the conversation when you're calmer, even just taking a few moments. Yeah. Like sometimes that feels really awkward, especially if there's a back and forth. Take a few moments, take a breath. What do I want to say? Collect your thoughts. And then you're at least more likely to say what you want and not feel either badly about what you did say or didn't say in, the, in that moment if it was more of a reaction. So that was a lot. But those are four mm -hmm. real life examples that mm -hmm. have happened to me recently of how being able to pause or take a few moments and sit, even if it's uncomfortable in that moment to not, because remember, it's that short-term, ooh, it feels good to react. It feels good to move in a yoga class and get out of the position. Or it feels really good to yell at someone, tell them off who cut me off in the car. But long-term, it's going to feel better to respond from something that feels more authentic and is not driven by anger. So I know hmm. that was a lot, but I will say hmm. that that has got to be the number one thing, overarching thing that I have taken from being a yoga student and teacher is to be able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and being able to respond instead of react. And those are things that you get to practice in a yoga class. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you think about all that, mom? Well, it's awesome. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, you're just like, Claire's such a, 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 a great example of living and managing in real time. Cause like, you know, none of this is ever going to be perfect, but it's life. But you know, I can, I, I watch her, put these things into practice um, and they inspire me. And that's what I hope you guys see too, that, you know, even two generations, it's not like I get to pontificate and everybody learns from me. It's such a 50, 50 exchange. 
we can learn from each other in these different seasons. But one one closing thought on that is we spend an inordinate amount of time stimulating our nervous system through noise and images and motion. And that means that we're kind of on hair trigger. We're on this thing where we can react really quickly because we're keyed up toward it. Even if we're not consciously going, I'm keying up my nervous system, which again, remember that is interconnected and interwoven with what, how we interpret our feelings. So all of that has this cross-pollination. And all we're suggesting is you spend some time on the flip side where it's not ramping it up, but just giving it a moment to this cool off. Just mm. give it a moment to cool off because in our infinite uh, biological wisdom, our bodies will right the ship a little bit. Nervous system. I don't sit there and go, I'm going to tell my nervous system to calm down. I'm just going to stop uh, exposing myself or, or whether it's a thought, like I'm going to keep thinking about the person like in the car and how they cut me off and did something wrong. And it's just a switch. It's a diversion. It's a little bit of a timeout. It's a way to just change the focus so that I don't just keep escalating. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about if somebody in traffic, it's like, where do they need to be? I wonder what their story is. And those are the words that land with me uh, more often than not. Gosh, I wonder what they're going through right now. Because they're doing something and that's their reaction that I get a chance to witness and learn from. So being a yoga teacher or a yoga student, I think, you know, I, I identify more with just being a yoga student and being a student in life. And if we spend a lot of our time being the leader and being able to like help encourage people and lead and be this, it, you know, this role, I want to spend more time being, I'm going to learn, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to deconstruct. I'm going to figure out what's happening now. And, and all of it just takes being mindful. Mm -hmm. And one way to do that is to get yourself, uh, explore yoga a bit, all the different ways that it can be. And, you know, I'm going to throw this out, probably shouldn't at the end, but I'm going to, the last thing that yoga is not, is that it, it's not a religion and I'm going to put it out there. I'm a Christian. And I think the important part of that is, is that this is time with yourself and it can also be really holy ground. And that's a really big thing for people. And that's the reason why they don't do it. But this is time where you can meditate and you can pray and you can go inward for the things that that matter to you. And so uh, whatever your barrier is that you've currently got, if you do um, and you want to feel better, this is a tool that you can use for the physical, but it also goes way beyond that. And it also is customized to your belief system. So um, don't rule things out. Uh, keep learning, keep growing. And we'll keep trying to incorporate them and see how they work for um, two ge different gener generations of women that continue to learn from each other and, and take the um, wisdom of people that came before us. Um, and this is one way to do it. So I want to learn from people that have been, um, been around longer because they've got some things to share with us and we can learn from it. Yeah. Any clo closing thoughts? Well, I was going to say, if you're like, okay, I'll bite. Yoga sounds interesting. I'll try it. Um, or maybe you've just out of practice because one part I didn't share in my story is the years that I practiced and then the years that I didn't and did and didn't. So um, if you're like, hey, I want to do a practice, hop over to our YouTube page. And again, I will share it in the show notes. But if you just search on YouTube, The Joyful Rebels, we've got dozens of videos. We've got beginner yoga. We've got more advanced stuff. We've got just a couple minute meditations. Yeah. Like, hey, you just want to sit down and just start to explore what this looks like. Because um, any time spent doing it is going to be better than no time spent doing it. So we really appreciate you listening, following along with us, joining us on this journey. Until next time, Rebels. <laughs>